Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good, good, good. Uh, I want to welcome everybody to the Crossings Church. Um, So when somebody makes a decision to uh, surrender their life to Christ here at the Crossings Church, we like to recognize that. Uh, The Bible makes it pretty clear that uh, they become a young believer in the faith. And um, when that happens, just like somebody's born in a hospital, it's a celebration. It's an excitement. And uh, this week we have uh, Deontay. Come on up, buddy. Come on up, man. Even though you tried to troll me right as soon as you got underneath the water, I still choose to love I you as a brother. Profile pic. Hey, okay, sure I changed the profile He sure did. He sure did. Come on now. Give, give Deontay a hand. That's one of my favorite things to do is just talk about people who um, have surrendered their lives to Christ. Um, so we, uh, we are excited that you guys are here. Um, we have been recently uh, going through a campaign here at the Crossings Church for a special contribution to get our building up and running. And last week we did that. And for you guys that do not know, uh, we raised close to $30,000 last week for our church plant. Yes. Um, and that's awesome. And to think that this, this group of people was able to raise that amount of money, that's, that's more than enough to get, our, to get, it, to get it rolling. So we are, we are starting like now. Like we're starting these classrooms right off the bat. Uh, Reggie was talking to me today about how we're going to start doing some construction here soon to just start getting it open and we're going to start having contractors come in and we've already got some things going for that. But we wouldn't have been able to do any of that if it wasn't for you guys. And so I just want you guys to, you know, applaud yourselves again for just being able to give you guys that kind of contribution. And I'm so grateful that our children are going to have more and more space now to learn, to grow, um, and to even break down into smaller classrooms to get really what each individual kid needs. So thank you guys so much for that. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do with that. Um, we're in the middle of a sermon, or we, we're actually just starting a new sermon series today called It's a Wonderful Life. And if you guys want to follow along, uh, in the, the bulletins that you guys got, there is a piece of paper with some notes that you guys can fill in along the way. And there's also a piece of um, car stock paper with the logo of the sermon series that we're going through. And I want to encourage you guys to take that with you because this is obviously not for you because you're here already, <laughs> uh, but this is for you to give to somebody. Uh, we, we, we really believe that God wants to bless not only the people in this church, but the people outside of it as well. And so my challenge to you guys is as you guys listen to the sermon today and as you guys think about this Christmas season, this holiday season, that it will be on your hearts to invite somebody, whether it be a family member, a co-worker, a close friend, um, just somebody that you're acquainted with, uh, because we believe that God truly wants to bless not just the church, but the world. And for this idea of being It's a Wonderful Life, I think the holiday season brings this idea that Um, Sometimes things are wonderful, but sometimes things aren't. And so this whole sermon series is to get us to that understanding that things can be wonderful with God. Things can be be wonderful with Christ. And so I want to encourage you guys to uh, invite somebody as we kind of go along with the sermon series. It's going to go all the way through Christmas. And speaking of Christmas, we have some events coming up. If if you guys see in there, there's another cardstock piece of paper that talks about uh, our ugly sweater Christmas and reindeer games party for our junior high ministry. And that's actually next Saturday. So if you know any junior high kids that would like to come to that, um, you guys can get some more information. Uh, There's a phone number on there as well for you guys to be able to call in to figure out what's going on with that. We're also doing next Saturday a gift wrapping for, uh, for free. So if you guys have any gifts, if you guys know of anyone that needs some gifts wrapped, some extra help, we are going to have Santa's Little Elves here uh, next Saturday. I believe it's from 10 to 1. 
Um, and I hope that's right because I don't want people showing up. Uh, I believe it's from 10 to 1. Um, and you can bring your gifts and you guys can have some, uh, we'll have some tables and chairs out for people to sit around and socialize and talk as well. If you want to volunteer to help with that, uh, you can talk to Maggie or Danielle. Um, is that right? Okay, good. There's Danielle right there. Was it 10 to 1? Was I right on that too? Okay, I was looking for some kind of verbal confirmation <laughs> and the crowd has got it. Um, so uh, that's as, as well as on Saturday. So um, there's lots going on around the holiday season just to get yourselves involved. So jumping into the sermon today, it's a wonderful life uh, with Christ. I truly believe that God wants to give everyone a wonderful life. And we think of that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, the old black and white movie, and we see scenes from that movie that kind of indicate that things are great around Christmas time. That this is the holiday season that just brings a blessing and brings just a sense of gratitude. And we just got out of a sermon series about thankfulness and gratitude. And now we're talking about It's a Wonderful Life. And we see verses like this in Isaiah 9-6. And it says, For to us a child is born. We always hear this around Christmas time. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Right? To know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It's such a comforting thing. It's such a nice thing to hear. And then again in Luke 2, 12-14, it says, You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. We always know the baby Jesus, right? I always think about Talladega Nights, right? We think about when we pray, we pray to a little six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus during Christmas time. We don't, we don't pray to, you know, the guy with the full-grown beard and the long hair. We pray to a little baby Jesus because it's, it's Christmas time. And that verse, we hear this always around Christmas time. We, we hear the story. And it says, Suddenly a large group of angels from heaven also appeared. They were praising God. They said, May glory be given to God in the highest, and may peace be given to those he is pleased with on earth. And I listen to these verses, and most churches, I think, would go through these verses during Christmas time and just talk about the peace and how nice it is and how lovely it is. And we just get this, we get this warm like, feeling about peace when we, when we choose to leave church and be like, that's just, it was such a nice service today. You know, like, it was, it was so comforting. The holiday season is so nice. And, it's, and it really is. Like, those are nice words and thoughts to know that that's something that can happen. But when I look in the world, and I look in churches, and I look just around my environment, I don't think a lot of people have peace. Like when you think, when you really think about people and you see people at your jobs and you see people um, in your schools, and I hate to say it, but when you see your friends at church and you look at their lives, it doesn't really seem like there's a peace right now. Uh, would you guys agree with that? Would you guys look around and say that there's a lot of our culture that looks like it's very uneasy? that there's a lot of anxiety in the world right now, there's a lot of fears, there's a lot of worry. And I, I would agree with that. I think that right now in the world we live in, it's very hard to find peace. It's very hard to find God's peace. And it's important for us to look at this because I think God wants to give us that. I think Jesus has provided that. But why is it that so many churches can come and put on a front and make it look like and act like everything is so nice and so wonderful and, and baby Jesus has came and it's Christmas season and everything's so nice, but really on the inside we're freaking out. Really on the inside we're so afraid of making the next payment. We're so afraid of how our relationships are going to go. We're so afraid of our security and our stability with our families. And we, and we, we look like everything is fine on the outside and we, and we exhume a peace but the reality is, internally, we have no idea what peace really looks like. Um, so I think we need to talk about this today. I think it's important if we're going to talk about a wonderful life that God wants to give us, 
we first need to start with peace. And we need to figure out how to achieve that and how to accomplish that. And so that's kind of what we're going to dig into today. And so if you want to follow along with those notes, you know, this first point is that I have to believe that peace is possible. You have to believe that it's possible. I think so many times people want to give up on the idea of peace. That it's like, this world just sucks. You know, like, this, this place is just terrible. My relationships are so tarnished. My, my friendships, my job is just so, na- like, it's, there's no way that I could accomplish or achieve any peace. And then you get into a Christian context where some people will say, I don't think I'm going to get peace here, but like when I die one day, I'll have peace finally because I'll have peace with God in heaven. You know, so you got two contexts here. You got people that just don't think it's possible at all. And then you have people that are like, it's possible. It's just not possible here. You know, I'll get that full peace once I get to heaven. But if you look back at Luke 12 or Luke 2, that last sentence says, it says, May glory be given to God in the highest, and may peace be given to those he is pleased with, where? On earth. So you're telling me that this kind of peace that God is wanting to give doesn't just happen when we get to heaven. John 16, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. You see, the way that, that's, the way that, that verse is structured, it, it makes it seem like this peace that's being talked about is referring to time here on earth and not just in heaven. Because why would, why would he start by saying you could be deeply at peace, and then he goes on to talk more about the world that we're currently in? It seems like the peace is indicating that he's talking about a context that's happening right here, right now. Because if not, they would have flipped that verse and he would have said, in this godless world you would continue to experience difficulties, but one day you'll experience deep peace in heaven with your Father. He doesn't say it like that. He comes and says that there is a type of peace that God wants to provide for you right now. That it is possible and we have to believe that right now we can have that type of peace that we dream about one day in heaven with our Father. And so we have to believe that. It's almost kind of like today we're going to kind of go through like a step process. Like first you have to admit there's a problem, right? And so like our first step is we have to admit that it's possible, right? And so can we all repeat after me and say, I believe that peace is possible. Ready? I believe that peace is possible, right? I've never done it before. That was super weird, but it was kind of funny that we all did it at the same time. Um, At least I know you're listening, right? And so we have to believe that. We have to believe that God truly wants to give us peace. And if you don't believe that, the rest of this, the rest of this sermon isn't going to mean a thing to you. But may, my hopes is as we walk through this that maybe there will be a belief and maybe you will hear some things that maybe will catch and be like, maybe that's my context right now too. Or maybe I've walked through that too. So what you're saying is that this is, there's still hope for me to not feel so uneasy, to not feel so anxious, to not feel so fearful or to worry about life. But you're saying it's possible right now. That's my goal to convince you today. The second point is if you can believe that peace is possible, you then have to accept that to have the peace of God, you must be at peace with God. To accept that to have the peace of God, you must be at peace with God. And this is an important point. In Romans 5, 10, it says, And in addition to everything else, we are happy because God sent our Lord Jesus Christ to make peace with us. You see, Jesus came on this earth 
to create a relationship of peace with us and God. That's been God's entire intention since the day that we were born, was to create a window of peace that we can have with one another. And he's already opened that door through what Jesus did on the cross. And Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And so when you look at these two verses and you look at the idea that God is pleased with people who... Um, who, are, who are close to him, and, and he wants to provide this peace on earth. Once again, we see that again. He's talking about peace on earth with those with whom God is pleased. And it talks about Jesus having peace with us, and we have to realize that when we look at our relationship with Jesus and we look at our relationship with God, that we are not going to be able to have this peace of God if we don't have peace with God. And in Colossians 1, 21 and 22, it says, God was pleased for him to make peace by sacrificing his blood on the cross. You used, you used to be far from God. Your thoughts made you his enemies and you did evil things. But his son became a human and died so God made peace with you. You see, the whole reason Jesus came, we talk about this Christmas story time and time again. The whole reason that Jesus came was so that we could have peace with God. That's it. He came and died so that we could have this peace. And that peace, that peace goes beyond, that peace alludes to salvation. That peace brings about a different lifestyle. That peace brings about so many things, but that was the point. The prince of peace is what Jesus is referred to as. And it talks about our thoughts and the things that we did. But we have to, like I said, this point to talking about that we have that peace of God. There, there's lots of pieces that can happen in this world, I believe. But there's only one peace that comes from God. And the only way that we were able to get that peace of God was because Jesus died on the cross. And that was the indicator that God was able to make peace with us. And I think that's an important thing to note because sometimes we are trying to fight and we are trying to look and we're trying to search for this peace on earth and we try so many different things or we try to find so many different things. But the reality is, is it's kind of like salvation. Like it's already there. Like, peace is, the, the opportunity has already been created for you guys. But we have to take some steps to get it. Just like salvation. We don't earn our salvation. We don't work for our salvation. But there's the, God is saying it's, it's already available for you. It's already been created. You just have to take your life and live in a way that creates it for yourself. And this peace that we look for, sometimes we think it's lost, sometimes we don't think it exists, sometimes we think it's so far away, but God is saying it's already been created. You're just not looking in the right places. You're just not understanding how to acquire it. And I think we have to look at our lives and say, are we truly doing things to find this peace? You know, I think of a lot of different types of peace in, in life. Um, and I think this is a big thing that we, need to, that we need to understand the way that God views peace in our lives because it talks about this peace from God. It talks about a different type of peace. And I think there's a lot of things that we refer to, right? <clears throat> I think sometimes we get married and we think that our spouse provides that peace where it's like, finally, I have a spouse that's not going to fight all the time with me. You know, finally, I have somebody that's my partner. Finally, I have somebody like this creates a peace in my life because it's different than anything I've ever had. Or sometimes we go to our kids and we look at our kids and we're like, you know, these, it's just me and my kids against the world. Like, I finally have peace when I'm with my family. 
For some of us, we're like, my family doesn't bring any peace at all. <laughs> like, I, I got friends. Like, my family creates the, you know, the, the, the anxiety and the, and, the, and the drama. I don't have peace at home, but I have my friends. When I'm around my friends, I finally feel peace. Or it's maybe a job. And we look at our lives, I have finally found a job that creates stability and security for me. And I'm finally at peace because I have a little bit of security finally. Right? And we would say that those are all good things. We would, I, would, I would agree that those are things that we would want to acquire in life to create some sort of peace for us. Um, but then there's other things I think people run to for peace, right? And it's temporary peace, isn't it? My, my life sucks, so I'm, I'm just going to become addicted to alcohol. Because that little bit of time that I'm drunk, I kind of feel at peace for a little bit. I'm not thinking or worrying about the things in life. Or drugs. You know, I'm just going to ingest or I'm just going to stick myself with this or I'm just going to continue to do these things because it just makes me feel like I'm finally at peace just for a little bit. And I think if you're not involved in that side of peace, you, you would obviously look at that and you would say, that's not real peace. That's, that's temporary and that's negative and that's going to destroy you. But here's the challenge I want to give you today. Because we would look at things like a house and a wife and a kids, and, and, we would, and we'd say, that's good peace. This is bad peace. God looks down on us and says, both of those are negative and temporary. Because neither of those are the things that create real peace with me. And sometimes we want to look down on people that choose to find these, these negative facets of peace because they're sinful or because they're dangerous or because... But can I be honest with you guys that whenever we choose to to feed our families that same kind of peace or we depend and rely on them the same way that an addict does with alcohol or drugs, God looks at us no differently. God says, you're finding things in the world to create a peace and a security when the reality is, is you're not coming to me. And I think so many times we think we can hide ourselves and dig ourselves into these good peaceful things, but the reality is, is God looks at that and says, that's not really peace with me. That's peace with the world. That's bringing things from the world into your life. And I'm not going to lie. There are some of those things that I think God does provide to help aid in that peace. But at the end of the day, my peace from God does not come from my wife. At least it shouldn't. My peace from God does not come from my kids. There's elements in those things. As I, I was sitting back there and listening to my wife up here worship and my kids in the back sing, I was like, I'm kind of at peace right now. <laughs> you know, like, it's kind of cool to see that my family is here from where I've come from. And to see my kids singing and my wife singing. And I'm just, I'm just in a moment of like, this is good. But I know at the end of the day, I can't go to God one day and say, I'm good because of what you gave me here on earth. Because that's not the intention that God wanted me to have in his life. God wants me to say, I'm good because I've, I've depended on you. I'm good because I've relied on you. And you've given me a family that I can be grateful for and the peace that I have. But the reality is is that that peace, I should be going to you and giving you gratitude because you provided that for me. And sometimes we just get that backwards and we choose to fight against God. And we choose to look at the things in our life and say, I'm creating peace myself. I'm fighting for these things myself. And so I'm, I'm making my own peace. And, you know, you know, Jesus came and he kind of gave a, a parable here about what it looks like to maybe fight and, and a king versus a king. And if you've heard this verse before, you, you, you'll know it. But if not, it's talking about two different types of kings here. There's a, there's, a, there's a greater king 
and that's God, and then there's a lesser king, a smaller king, and that's referring to us. And so in Luke 14, 31 through 33, it says, suppose a king is going to war against another king. He would first sit down and think things through. Can he and his 10,000 soldiers fight against a king with 20,000 soldiers? If he can't, he'll send ambassadors to look for terms of peace. In the same way, none of you can be my disciples unless you give up everything. You see, this is a real important verse when it comes to peace. Because the lesser army, the 10,000, that's us. And we look at our lives and we choose to fight and fight and fight. And the reality is, is that God wants us to surrender. You know, if we realize that we can't win, the goal is to send it. And this is just, this isn't even in scripture. This is just general 101 if you're fighting battles. If you guys ever join an army one day and you need to get a, oh, conquer another, you know, uh, city or town or village, this is just 101. You're going to fight until somebody surrenders. Like that's, the, that's, that's just how fights work. That's how wars work. That's how armies operate. Until there's terms of peace, fighting will always continue. And I think a lot of times when you think of like old like kings and old uh, uh, warriors and old whatever you want to call like, you know, I think of like Attila the Hun or I think of like Vikings and I think of people who went out and conquested and, and, and conquered. Like you, you see people go out and they, and they do these things for, for bad reasons, right? They just want the land. They just want the money. They just want the resources. They just want the power. Like they, those are the things that they want, and so they force it on other people because they're like, I don't care how you're living. I want to take you over. But God's not that kind of king. Because what God sees is he, is he sees his kingdom, and he sees how we're running our kingdom, which is our lives, and he looks at it and he says, man, you are just running your kingdom to the ground. You are just destroying everything that could be so good. And all you have to do is just surrender. And then you can join my kingdom. And I will show you how to run things right. I will show you how to be productive and, 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 and flourish in this world. God doesn't have ill intentions to conquer us. God wants us to have a great life. God wants to bless our lives. God wants to provide a peace in our lives. But what we choose to do is we choose to fight back and say, I don't need God to control this part of my life. I don't need to be at peace with God in my finances. I can control this world. I don't need God in my parenting. I can handle this. And what we're doing is we're that 10,000 and we're just shooting little arrows back at God. We're, we're continuing the fight. And God says, listen, all you have to do is to surrender. And, you know, our lives can get exhausting. I feel super exhausted in my life from time to time. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like that all the time. And I think a lot of that reason is, is because I'm continuing to fight with God on something that I shouldn't be fighting with in the first place. And this fight in our lives, just so you guys know, it's a war that's going on. And your fight with God will never end until you surrender. It's that simple. A war will never end until one side surrenders. And if you, don't, if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. If a war will never fight or will never end until somebody surrenders, God's side will never stop fighting for you. The 20,000, that side will never stop fighting. 
God will always fight for you to have a better life. God will always fight for you to have peace. God's side, that 20,000, they will not stop knocking on your door. They will not stop pushing and pressing. We are the ones that have to make the decision to stop the fighting because God won't. He loves us way too much. He cares for our souls way too much. He cares for our lives way too much. And so all these little things that we're trying to control in our lives, I encourage you guys to look at your lives and ask yourselves, are we giving up? Are we surrendering that to Christ? Are we, are we raising our little white flag and saying, you can come in and create peace in my life? Or are we still trying to control every area of our lives and we're not giving up everything like this verse says so that God can finally come in and give us terms of peace? You see, we have to be at peace with God and the only way we can be at peace with God is if we surrender to God. And so... If that's where we're at and we realize that, okay, peace is possible. And if peace is possible, i got to get on good terms with God. Okay, if I want to be on terms with God, how does this show up in my life? Well, third, <clears throat> we have to embrace the process of peace. So now we're into a 12-step program, right? We've enrolled. Now we're, now we're looking at physical and, and, and applicable things that we can now look at and say, okay, this is what we need to do if we're going to acquire this kind of peace that God wants to give us. In John 14, 27, it says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world. That's what I was talking about earlier. The families, the kids, the drugs, the addictions, literally things provided on this earth. He's saying not that kind of peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Man, that's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Have you guys ever had like a big, like, like giant issue going on in your life where you guys have been really like stressed about something? And have you ever had like some little old lady come up at church and be like, don't worry about it, honey. God's got it. God's got you. And then she strolls away. And have you ever been like, oh, she's so right. I'm just done with that problem. No, we're like, lady, you don't understand. Like, this is a problem, and it stresses me out. And your little, your little comfort, it's kind of nice in the two seconds we interacted, but like you ain't got to deal with my problem when I go home. You ain't got to deal with my wife. You ain't got to deal with my kids. It's nice to like talk about it here at church for a little bit, but you ain't in my world. And so for us to like think that we can just say this verse and say, don't be troubled in your hearts, and be like, oh, okay, the, the Bible says it, so it's done. Okay, I'm not, I'm not troubled with it anymore. Like, that's not, it's not that easy. And I think that's part of the process, though, is that this kind of peace indicates that this is how you know you've, you've acquired true peace. This is an indicator in your life. Think about anything going on in your life right now. Think about any issues, whether it be financial, whether it be relational, whether it be security, whether it be family or friends. Think about all the issues going on in your life that stress you out right now. If you still have issues and you still have fears and you still have those troubles right now, you do not have the perfect peace of God yet. And I would, I would bet that everyone in this room, including me, does not have the perfect peace yet. I, I would bet that most of us in this room are still struggling to find peace with certain issues going on in our lives. 
And I would bet that most of us think more about these problems than we do about the comfort and security that God has given us. So this is just an indicator of what we're about to talk to when it comes to peace, because sometimes we think we can have this peace, but the reality is, is that if we're still stressing about this stuff, then we don't have it yet. And so what I want to do today, and a note here is that, you know, peace, this kind of peace, this is a gift from God, but it's a product of growth. This takes time. It's not like I just tried to do earlier and just like think it into existence in my heart. And it's like, okay, I just read this verse, it's done. I've applied it. It doesn't work. It's, it's a product of growth. It takes time to find peace on issues. There are some things that have irked me since high school in my family. And I'm still working on finding a peace with it. And I'm like, dude, this stresses me out. The issues that I had growing up, like I'm still like scarred from these things. Or I'm still like working on how to like be okay with this stuff. And it's a process. It takes time but more maturity, more growth, more application in God's word is making it easier to become more at peace. You know, one of the hardest things for me was to overcome the idea that I grew without a dad. You know, I think a lot of people in this room can relate to that, but my dad wasn't in the picture as a kid. And going to a high school where people had their image together pretty clear, you didn't talk about your crap, and there was a lot of moms and dads that had kids in the school district. Like, it wasn't a very broken school district from the inside, at least, from like a, a structured family line, at least. You know, how, you know how hard that is to just think that everyone else is different than you? You know how hard it is to grow up realizing that you started with a disadvantage in, 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 in the way that you were raised? That you're, you know, my family grew up poor. You know how hard it is to think that you grew up in a situation that some people had a head start? And then you grow up with those struggles because you don't have the same kind of things that everyone else has. And we can, we can talk about everything. Every little thing we talk about. Abuse. We could talk about that. We could talk about race in this room. I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to that idea that there are still disadvantages for certain people in certain races. You know how hard it is to grow up in a, in a, being a black kid in an all-white community? I don't relate to that, but I, I've seen it. I know it's real. And we can sit here and we can talk about all these things that, that we look at our lives today and we're like, that's still, I'm uneasy about these things. It's not right that these things are still going on. It's not right that these things have happened to me and now I have to watch it continue to happen to people younger than me. And we look at our lives and it's going to take time. It's going to take time to figure out how to work on these things. And so I want you guys to know that it's not just, I'm not encouraging you guys to leave this room full of peace. What I'm encouraging you guys to do is the rest of the sermon, I'm encouraging you to apply these things and see how God can bring peace to your life. That's my goal. And so if you're really serious about this idea that you really want peace in your life, this is the part of the sermon you want to listen up to because these are the things that you can start right now to bring that kind of peace, to work on the things that stress you out about life. And the first one is, peace comes as I learn to pray about my problems. Peace comes as I learn to pray about my problems. You know, Paul talks in the Philippians here, once again, another verse, easier said than done. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, how am I not supposed to do that? 
But he doesn't just say, don't worry about anything, right? This is the cool thing about Scripture. Is usually there's not like a don't do this without a do this instead. The Bible's not a whole dig a hole without putting something else in the hole, which is kind of nice. Because I think sometimes people preach the Bible like that, where like the, the Bible is just a bunch of holes. You just got to dig this out of your life and, and dig this out of your life and get, get that sin out of your life. And they miss the other part of the scripture where it's like, you're not really preaching God because God's not saying dig all these holes out. He's saying dig these holes out, but make sure you go back and you fill it with something better. Make sure you put something different in there. Because if you don't, anybody who knows about digging holes, once it rains and the storms come and life sucks, what happens to those holes? They get filled right back up with dirt. And God's sitting here saying, hey, dig these out because these are big problems. And problems are going to keep coming, but don't just dig the holes out. Instead, fill them with something. Context here, what are we fill them with? Prayer. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. See how that works? Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, it's so important we go to God and we talk about our problems in life. That we pray about everything that's going on. And maybe that's a start for you today. How much do you talk to God about your problems? How much do you pray to God about the issues that are going on in your life? How much do you pray about the things that don't create peace in your life? And maybe you're somebody here that does say, yeah, I pray a lot. I pray to God every day. I talk to God about my problems. Well, then my second question would be, how do you pray about your problems to God? You see, I know a lot of Christians that choose to pray to God, and they, they ask for the problems to go away. God, I pray you just, you just get rid of this in my life. I pray you, just, you just, just don't let me deal with this anymore. Just take this away. And I don't think it's wrong to pray about problems going away. I don't think it's wrong, you know, if someone in your family has cancer and, and you're praying that that cancer goes away. I don't think those things are wrong to pray about God taking things away. But if that's all you pray for, you'll never find peace. Because what you're asking God to do is to take away problems. And if you read scripture and you know scripture, you know that God doesn't take away problems. In fact, it's the opposite. Jesus says we are going to experience problems while we're here on earth. And so if God never contradicts himself and Jesus says we're going to have problems, then why would we ever think if we're going to pray for something that Jesus says is going to happen? When we ask God to take away problems, what we're saying is we're saying, God, please omit something from the Bible. <laughs> That's really what we're saying. Please just scratch out those couple stories and, and parables and commands and, and things that Jesus said about storms and problems and my life's going to be hard. And it's, you know, it's, that's what we pray for. But God is smarter than us. He's wiser than us. It's, it talks about, it exceeds anything we could understand. And I think God understands that if we pray for a problem to go away, he knows that the world we live in, one more problem will come right to us. And then it becomes an ever-ending cycle of, okay, God took my problem. Oh, I'm back in the world. Here's another problem. God, take this problem. All right, he took it. All right, I'm back in the world. No problems. Oh, here's another. Why are these problems keep coming to my life? It's because the Bible said it was going to happen. And God's smarter than that. And God says, 
it's fine for you to talk to me about your problems, but don't sit here and just make it about me taking those away. How about I make you prepared for those problems? How about I, how about I give you something that can create peace with those problems? Because this whole, this whole conveyor belt system problem, you know, that, that's never going to end. But if I can give you some kind of peace, and then you go back into this world, bring the problems, because i got something else now. i got some armor now. i got something to protect me. It says right there, his peace will guard your hearts and minds. When we pray to God and we look at the way that we pray about our problems, he gives us something instead of take something. We should never be praying to give things to God when it comes to these kind of things, our troubles. We should be praying for God to give us something to deal with them. And so that first step is just how do you pray? Do you pray and how do you pray? The second one is peace comes as I learn to focus on God, not on my problem. Your focus. Peace comes as I learn to focus on God, not on my problem. Philippians 4.8, we're, we're still in Philippians, and Paul texts again here, and he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now we're hitting our thought process, how our mind functions and how our mind works. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now this is the one that gets me because my mind goes everywhere. Um, there is a book called Winning the War in Your Mind. And my wife has been like beating me over the head trying to get me to read this book uh, for like a year and a half now. And I finally started reading it and I'm like, now I know why. <laughs> you know like, and so I was like, I, I'm reading this book not because you told me to, because I've just chosen to want to read this book. You know, like it's never on your will, but it's on, it's on my will. And, uh, and I started reading this book and it, ta- it talks about so many things because I think a lot of us feel like our thoughts our minds are messed up, right? It's like we want to think about nice things, but like our, our, the way that we're wired, like we just feel like we're so disgusting on the inside or we're so lustful, or we're so negative, or we're so jealous, or we're so whatever, and our mind just puts us in a place where like, why am I thinking about this? I hate the way that I think. And this book kind of talks about like, it brings like neurologists in and, and, and explains like just, the psychology of like how our heads work. And what it talks about essentially is that we, we create these ruts in our lives, that something has happened in our lives that we've experienced or that we've kind of walked through, and that's where the rut starts. And it's kind of like when a dog like makes a, makes a rut in the yard, right? Where it's like when you first get a dog, you're like, oh, my yard is nice. And then like your dog's been there for a year, and it's like, why do I have a dirt track in my backyard? You know, and like, why is it, why does he run in the same circle over and over again, but it's the same path and it's always going back and forth. And that's kind of what this book talks about with our minds. It says something has happened in our lives and it's, it, it didn't, it didn't start like it didn't just like, it wasn't like a planned thing, but over time 
our lives and our minds have created this rut in our minds that we loop back and forth and we are the way that we are because of all these little ruts that have started to happen in our minds and that's why we go in all these different directions. But this, but this book kind of encourages the idea that for us to get out of that rut of a mindset because those ruts turn into actions because you know you all heard like the thoughts turn into application and our actions turn into our lifestyle and our lifestyle turns into like our future and things like that. And so this book's talking about like everything that, like if your life is messed up, it's because of essentially the way you think. And for you to get out of the way that you think, you have to pinpoint those ruts and start digging trenches. Because ruts just happen out of the blue and they create a negative cycle, but a trench is dug with a purpose. It's dug with an intent. And that's the big, that's the big difference between the two. And the book encourages this idea to dig out these ruts that cause negative things in our lives and to create trenches to protect from those thoughts. And I'm like, this book is genius. Like, I got to work on this. I got to go back and figure out why I have these ruts in my life. But it's no different than what Scripture talks about here because that's what, it's, it's from Scripture that we think about things because of the culture and the lifestyle that we have and the places that we've been placed on earth that the culture has created these ruts in our thoughts and our minds and so we choose to think about things that we don't even want to think about or that we even we don't have the desire to think about but then in Philippians and Isaiah you know we get this encouragement that God says you need to you manually dig a trench essentially and fix your thoughts on something else fix our thoughts on things that are true and honorable but what do we do instead we fix our thoughts on the problems of life when we should be fixing our thoughts on the power of God and how, and how he can handle these things. We fix our thoughts on the uncertainties of life. We, we have the fear and the anxiety of what's to come, but we don't fix our thoughts on the assurances of God of what's to come and the promises he has in store for us. We fix our thoughts on what we've lost, the hurts and the things that have happened in our past instead of what God has guaranteed for the future. Um, we fix our thoughts on today's news, the culture, the, the social media, the sports world, the, the things that, you know, we're engulfed in, and we don't fix our thoughts on God's word and the news, the good news. You know, garbage in is garbage out. Whatever we choose to take in is what we're going to think about. And I'm like anybody else. I love... All the different things that we're exposed to. I love watching Netflix. <laughs> I, I love sports. I love doing all these things. Like literally, I went to a Mizzou-Kansas game last night, and I loved that Kansas stomped Mizzou. It was so nice. You know, I'm a big Kansas fan. Um, but what do I do after the game? Well, I go home and I watch the highlights. It's, I, I watch highlights of something I was literally at. And then, and then what do I do? I go check all the stats. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy had this many assists and this many points. And let's total it up from what he had the, the rest of the season. Now he's at this. Oh, my God. And then I go and watch another basketball game on the way home, on my drive home. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, why? Why do I do all this? Why, do, why are my thoughts fixed on these things? And they're not fixed on God. Why do I choose so much of my life to fix things on that are garbage? Because those things aren't going to help me in my issues, in my stress. But God has provided a, a Bible for us, the Word, things that can create peace. He's given people talents to, to create good podcasts, 
He's, he's created talents and people to write books that are more relatable and help us point us to the right direction in God's Word because sometimes the Bible can be confusing and hard to understand. So God has given us people that have wrote books and, and involved God's Word into it so we can look at those and be like, this is more, under, I, I, I get it now. And we have all these different resources, but we choose to, three hours on TikTok tonight, you know? Three hours on social media tonight, three hours on video games tonight, three hours on sports center tonight, and we choose, instead of getting into these things that God is really trying to put in our heads and in our minds, we put so many different other things in our heads and in our minds. So my question to you guys today is just what, what do you guys put in your heads and in your minds? Does anybody like, is anybody like a restless sleeper in here? Like you can't fall asleep? You see my wife, she can, she can lay in, in a bed and within five minutes she's out. Like, is she in here right now? All right, she's like this. She's, she's all over the place. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. She's in here. <laughs> but she, she can be out. Me, this is me in bed at night. Oh, it's time for bed. At the ceiling for two hours. And in my head, this is what's going on. I'm like, how am I going to afford Christmas? I got to figure out. I got to switch some bill. I got to go to a couple of different banks. Oh, man. That's, that game was awesome last night. So cool. I can't believe. I mean, I can't believe that one guy said that thing to me. I'm, so, I'm still thinking about it, even though it was like two days ago. And he's probably not thinking about it, but I'm thinking about it. And so, like, there's all this stuff going on. And uh, my kids, I got school this week, and I got to figure out who's going to take rides to and from. And uh, now, now I'm back on finances. I got to figure out how I'm going to get my kids presents because I was thinking about my kids. And then I'm like, why am I up? It's been two hours. I've been laying in bed. I can't fall asleep. Like, that's how my, does anybody else's mind run like that? Because my mind runs like that a lot. And in bed, I can't stop thinking and worrying about every little thing in life. And then I start thinking about things that, like, aren't real. You know, like, I'm like, dude, like, if somebody came to my house right now to rob me, how would I operate? <laughs> right? Some of y'all think that same way, huh? Yeah. I'm like... I don't have my baseball bat in here anymore. I don't know. Uh, I got to figure out what I'm going to do in here. And I start sweating, and I hear something outside. I'm like, oh, gosh, now I got to get up. I walk through my upstairs with my boxers in my garage, get my baseball bat, and just bring it back in my room. And then I'm like, all right, now I can sleep. Man, well, if I just lock my door, maybe he won't get in the first place. Did I lock my door? I don't know. And I got to get back up, and I got to go lock my door. And that's my life. You know, that's every single night for me. I can't stop stressing. And I'm just like, just go to sleep. Just go to sleep. Stop thinking. Just go to sleep. And I think a lot of us can probably relate to that. Because I think when we lay down for rest, that is whenever the uneasiest hits us the most. When it's just us and our thoughts. You see, if we're at a job or we're talking with people, like we have things to kind of like block off that uneasiness because it's like, oh, I'm watching a sports game or, oh, I'm playing a video game or, oh, I'm having a conversation or, oh, I'm at work. I'm not thinking about these things. But when it's really time to just unwind and it's just you and your thoughts, I think that's whenever we get attacked the most. I think that's when stress and worry hits us the most. And then I remember the story of Jesus in the boat. You guys remember that story in Scripture? When Jesus is in the boat and he's got all his disciples around him, and then the storm hits, and they're all going crazy, right? And they're like, Jesus, wake up, wake up, man, wake up. Like, we're going to die. Like, there's storms all over us. And that dude is not. Like, Jesus is out, right? 
I pray just to have one night like that in my life where I could just have that. Like I'm a light sleeper too. So like if I hear my, my daughter, she's two years old and she's in the other room, but she wakes up now. And as soon as she wakes up, she just goes, dad, dad. She's like old enough that she's like, she knows, but she can't get out of her crib yet. So it's like when she's ready to get up, she's up. So the first time she opens her eyes and says, dad, like I'm up, I'm like a light sleeper. Like I can't sleep through anything. And I think about just how Jesus must have been. Like, it wasn't a little baby trying to wake him up. He was in the middle of a stinking storm on a boat. Like, that thing is rocking. There's storm. Like, he, he had to get, be getting rained on. So I'm like, have you ever slept through somebody pouring a bucket of water on your head? Like, I don't know anybody who does. And if you do, that's, that's not peace. That's like a sleeping problem. You need, to get that, you need to get that checked out. Like, the people that I see that, like, get, like, Sharpies all over their faces or, like, they get silly stuff. All I'm like... That don't make no sense either. Like, I don't see how people can be that deep of sleep. Um, But Jesus had that peace. And I don't know, but if you're not getting that kind of sleep, once again, I think there's some easiness that we need to look at. And I think we finally fall asleep. This is what I'm convinced of. We finally fall asleep when we stop caring more about our problems than we do about our sleep. I think that's when I fall asleep to that point where I'm like, I'm so tired, I don't care anymore. That's when I fall asleep, right? Because our mind shuts off. And I think that's real peace. If you want to think of a slang way to think of the word peace, it's that you don't care about your problems anymore. That's it. I think that's an honest way to look at peace. That's probably why Jesus was able to sleep. Because he didn't care about anything else going around him because he knew he was in charge. He knew who was going to take care of him. In the middle of a storm, which life gives us storms all the time, right? In the middle of all these problems, Jesus was able to sleep peacefully because he knew that he was going to get taken care of. And that's the moment when we can achieve peace as well. But when we focus on those problems and we don't focus on God, we get this idea that we don't have that same kind of peace. What else? Peace comes as I learn to practice what has been preached? This one's pretty obvious. Philippians 4.9. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw, and, and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. This is just an essential practice what you preach, you know. Whatever, whatever you see, you apply. Whatever you do in God's word, you apply. Disobedience and peace cannot coexist. So if you look at your life right now and you know that there are things in Scripture that don't, that don't align with your lifestyle, that contradict what God says, it should be obvious to you that you will not acquire God's peace. It's just common sense. God wants us to live a certain way. God wants us, it says, put it into practice all you've learned. You learn a lot coming to church. You learn a lot studying the Bible. You learn a lot in, in small groups. We have small groups here at our church, and we, and we talk about things that we can do to put into practice to better our lives. You learn a lot at those small group meetings. Um, we, have, we have guy times and girl times throughout the week where some men get together, and, and we talk about things that are going on in our marriages or, or with our kids or um, with our jobs, and we encourage each other. And, and we get a lot of information from people to, to put into practice to, to change our context of our lives. But if we go to those things, we go to church or we read our Bibles or we go to a small group or a guys or girls meeting or whatever it is, and, and we just listen and we don't really do anything, 
It's kind of stupid for us to think that we would get peace from God when we don't want to do what God wants us to do in the first place. So like, I don't want to like sit all day on this, on this point, but this is honestly, I think, what holds most people back is because when you look at your lifestyle, you're like, ah, I was pretty selfish this week. Why didn't God give me peace? You know, I was pretty arrogant this week. Why am I still uneasy about these situations? Like, do I really got to mansplain it to you? <laughs> like, do I really got to give it to you in a way that's different? If not, look at the way that this translation puts it in Psalms 85.8. It says, I hear what the God Lord says. He promises peace to his people, to his godly ones, but they must not go back to their stupidity. Like, I love that he sets it that way because when you think about it, like, he promises so many good things and peace is right there with it. But we can't go back to living the way we want to live after God has given us a different instruction and direction for our lives. It's not that hard of, of a problem to understand. It's not that hard of a principle in Scripture. This is actually one of the easier principles to understand. It's just one of the harder ones to apply. Peace and disobedience cannot coexist in your life. So if there are some things you're uneasy about in life, maybe look at how your relationship with God is going in your obedience. Lastly, peace comes as I learn to connect with a people of peace. Peace comes as I learn to connect with a people of peace. In Philippians, you know, Paul begins this book and he ends it with a message of connection and he ends it with a message of gratitude. And he, he, he begins and ends it with encouragement and thanking of God's people. Listen to this in Philippians 4, 1 through 3. It says, My dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. Fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. I urge Yodia and I urge Synthaki to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. And yes, Sigigus, since, you've, since you're right there to help them work these things out, do your best with them. These women worked for the message hand in hand with Clement and me and with the other veterans, worked as hard as any of us. Remember the names are also in the book of life. He's just talking about community here, guys. He's talking about what the benefits that are, the benefits they are to him, the benefits they are to God. And he says, God doesn't want his children holding grudges. God wants his people to be at peace. And it's so important for us to realize that principle that you're not going to be able to come to church and just have a, have a peaceful hour of life and then go back into the world and have no relationships with people that are godly and expect peace to happen either. I think sometimes people think that's how church works, is I'm supposed to go get a, like, uh, you know, a motivation for an hour and I'm supposed to go back to my community and back to my world and, and experience the peace that I got on Sunday for one, for one hour. And that's not how church works. That's not how God works. There are some churches that make it seem like that's how it's supposed to work, but that's not it, you know? There's lots of mega churches out there being like, this is it, man, like be here, this is a great experience. God loves you because you're here right now. I think God loves you because you're here right now, but God loves you because of what you're going to do after you leave here. God loves you because of more so what you're going to do for him, not what you're going to do while you sit here for an hour. 
God wants to bless your life more than the hour you're in this room. He wants to bless you outside of this room. God has put people on this earth that are disciples for you to find, not in this room, but to have with you when you go out of this room. And it's so frustrating to watch people come into a congregation and they come into a church and they sit and they listen and then I watch them disconnect when they go back home. And I watch their lives fall apart. And I watch them not have community with other disciples. And I, and I watch them look at their families and look at their lifestyles. And, and, they, turn, and, and it, they turn into different addictions and they turn into different problems and they turn into different stress. And I'm sitting here with a community being like, just come on, man. Like, just come in and get some encouragement. Come get some support. Come get some help and you can be at peace. So many times where a, a, a prideful guy in campus will come in. I, I, I'm the campus minister here, and so I work with a lot of college students. And I see college students come in all the time, and I see a lot of dudes struggle with pride. That's just natural for, for, for younger men to struggle with. And I'm like, I see guys that can't afford to get certain things. I'm like, man, I can't get a ride to work. I don't have a car. I can't get a ride to work. My life is just terrible. And they just stress about it. And I'm like, you know who could help you out with that? God's people. I got a car, you got a car? And he's like, I got a car, you got a car, I got a car. You want to ask for a ride? Nah, man, I'm just going to go figure this out myself. I'm so stressed. I don't know what to do. I don't have no peace in life right now. And we're all over here like, hey, man, you got a car? I got a car. You got free time? I got free time. I can, what's, yeah, yeah. And like it's, all, it's already lined up. Like it's ready. All you got to do is be like, <laughs> you know, like it's that easy. All you got to do a lot of times, and I, I want to encourage you guys, that's not just for college men. There are small groups in this church that help with every problem. There's not a problem that you have in life that this church cannot help you with. I guarantee that. Because if there was a problem, I would not be a part of this church. I wouldn't be a part of the church that did not know how to use God's word to help every person on this earth. Sorry, that problem's a little too big for us. You need to go find a different church. Sorry, the God that I know doesn't really know how to deal with those problems. You need to go find somebody else who knows how to deal with that. That's a little too nasty for my life. Like, my family's kind of like, they look good on the outside, so like, no. <laughs> like, like, I wouldn't want to be a part of a church that, that operated like that or used God's word like that. But I truly believe that this is a church that says, you got a problem, we got a solution. You got issues, we got people, you know? We know how to, we know, we've activated God. Like, we've pressed the button. Like, he's here, and he's working within us. So find a community that you can jump into that will help you with that. You'll never be a great baseball player if you're not on a great team. If you don't have good coaching. If you don't have other people that are going to work with you, you're never going to do that. So why would you think that you would be a good Christian if you don't have a good team, you don't have good people, you don't have good coaches, you don't have shepherds, it doesn't make any sense. But we, for some reason, think that we can, be, we can excel in life in one area and find the peace by ourselves, but Paul is just encouraging, find people and tap into them. They will make your life so much better because they have surrendered their lives and they are a part of my kingdom and they're trying to get you to be a part of that kingdom as well. And so that's my challenge for you guys today. 
is to look at these different points, look at these different things that we can apply and start looking at your life and saying, what do I need to start changing today? Is it my prayer life? Is it my connection? Is it my obedience? What is it that I need to look at to create this peace? Because God is giving it. It's free. It's there. Jesus already died on the cross. He came to create peace for us, and it's there for you. But what's not clicking through these? I want to encourage you guys to pull out that communication card because that's your first opportunity to create peace in your life. This little card right here. I encourage everyone to pull this out and just look at it because this is your opportunity to start peace for maybe the first time in your life. Because this little card goes a lot longer and a lot farther than you might think it is. For some people, they look at this and like, oh, I see this every single week. It's just another card. I'm just going to fill out my information. You're going you're gonna to start spamming me mail and start, you're going to start door knocking at my house. And that's not what this card is meant to be. This card is an opportunity for each and every one of you guys to say, God, I want your peace. I want perfect peace. And to indicate how you need that peace. And if there's something specific that we can help you with, we have so many different support services in our church. We have, we have small groups that meet. We have, we have things called healing as a choice. We have things that deal with drugs and, and addictions. We have things that deal with divorce. We have things that deal with every little thing that you can think about. Any little problem, I guarantee you, I know somebody that can help you with that problem. And you can indicate that on this card. If you want to make it private, you can check... Um, you can write private at the top of the, pro- at the, at the comment section, and I'll make sure that I look at that and I, and I, and I, and I connect with you, and I, I will find somebody that can, that can help you with those problems. Um, if it's just community, you're just looking to find, like I said, something to tap into. You know, maybe check that you want to know more about small groups or, or a Bible study, and you don't really know what obedience looks like, and you've never really read through God's Word. And maybe you want to check that you want to you know, get into a Bible study with somebody. I don't know where everybody is at in this room. But I'm pretty sure that we're all at a place in our lives where we need some peace. And this is the way to start. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing a slong. And slong, slong. I almost made it. I almost made it. <laughs> Without, you know, all those, funny, I'm going to be honest for a minute. In that last verse in Philippians 4, there are so many different cities there that I just butchered in the teacher's class. And I was like, I didn't know how to say those words. And so I went in there and I listened on the Bible app and I was like, and then I wrote it out like the, the way this. So I was like, I was so close. I tried so hard and I was slow words. But uh, we're all human. Uh, I'm, I'm still at peace with it. I'm cool. Um, but I encourage you guys uh, to fill out this card. We're going to sing a song. And that's going to give you guys uh, an opportunity to fill out this card. And then we're going to sing another song. And during that second song, we're going to pass some baskets. And that's going to be your opportunity to, uh, to give this card. And guys, I really want to encourage you. If you're at a place where you're just uneasy, you don't really know, just, this, is, this is kind of like that step of faith. Just drop the card in and we'll make sure somebody connects with you guys and get you guys uh, some support or some help, just some connection. Even if it's just going out to lunch, uh, you know, helping out with... The kids, maybe you can find somebody in this church that has kids your age and you guys can find just an opportunity for your kids to have some positive relationships. That's something that I found as a big priority for my kids is as they're getting older, I want them to connect with kids outside of their school because I'm hearing and seeing things that other kids in school are dealing with and I'm like, man, my kids need the help because I don't want my kids getting into the same kind of spirals that these kids are going to in school. And so I want to make sure my kids have a community of kids their age that are helping them get to that same point so they can go back into their schools and be not influenced, but be influencers in those areas. And maybe that's where you're at with your kids. 
But we're going to sing these songs, give you guys an opportunity to fill out those cards, and then uh, we'll wrap it up for today. So thank you again for coming. And let me encourage you as well with this whole idea of peace. Invite somebody that needs some peace in their life. Think of somebody who needs some peace in their life and give them this card and let them experience the same things that you guys are getting here as well. So let me say a prayer and we'll wrap it up today. God, thank you so much for just, you know, peace. Uh, I assume that this life would be very, very hard. And I remember what it was like whenever I didn't have peace in my life. And I don't think I have perfect peace. I think I'm still working on that. But God, I remember that there was a time in my life when I had no peace. And I remember the life that I grew up and the family that I was raised in and the situations and issues we had to deal with. And I, it, was, it was hard. And, and God, I'm not, I'm not unaware that there are still people in that same context. And so, God, I pray that just as I would be able to find some peace and I'm still working to get more peace, that where everybody's at in this room today, that they can look at their idea of peace and where they're at and just lean on you and lean on your people and lean on your word to acquire the same kind of peace that can bring them um, just hope and, and just um, anything that they would need in this world, Lord. So thank you again for your son and providing that window for peace for us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.